Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. I'm super excited to introduce to you today, Jasmine O'Brien. Jasmine, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Susan. I'm so delighted to chat with you. You know I love your accent. People tease me and think that I have an accent because I'm from New Orleans, but I don't have an accent. You have the accent. <laughs> well, I, I think I do on, on your show, and I think you're in the minority being um, a lover of the Australian accent, so <laughs> I, I really? love to hear that. <laughs> That's so funny because um, I actually have a couple of friends who live in Perth and um, they don't have the, the same same accent that you. It's I don't know where you live in Australia. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us where you live? Yeah, of course. So I live in Melbourne, Australia, so um, a long way away from Perth. And um, Melbourne is the second biggest city in Australia. I've been born and bred here. I'm very much a, a proud Melbourneian and we have a, a great arts and, and restaurant scene and it's a fantastic place to live. Um, I have a little to bit visit. <laughs> You're making me want to visit there. Um, you know, I realized I know Jody Baker of Alta and of, um, oh, I forgot the name of her company, but do you happen to know Jody? I know Melbourne is big and Australia is huge, but I thought I would ask because she's in legal no. technology. No, unfortunately not, but I'm, I'm going to have to look her up now. You've got me curious. You know what I'll do? I'll connect you to, I'll send you um, her blogcast that she did with me. I learned the word gobsmacked for the first time. Um, I love that word. Thanks to Jody. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself beyond where you live? Yeah, of course. So um, I, I guess we're talking today um, in the context of, of some professional um, professional life. And so in that context, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. Um, an employment lawyer and I'm the head of the team here at Slade and Legal which is a, a law firm in Melbourne and um, very proud of my team we've got an all-female team here and um, we've got some great clients that I love working with and I think one of the unique factors uh, about me is I think I'm the um, only equity partner at a law firm in Australia who happens to be transgender so um yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Very nice, very nice. So I uh, am very involved in equity, DEI. I want to ask you, how was that? Were you welcomed with open arms? Were people delighted to be curious or were they, you know, how did you feel about that? Oh, look, I think a bit of everything. Um, you know, I think it was probably at a time where these issues were really starting to become more prominent um, and more visible in the community. And, you know, I think uh, in the whole, it was a really positive experience. Um, you know, thinking of it through a professional context, um, one of the things that I was really proud of, um, not just perhaps um, because it reflected on me, but more so because I think what it said about people in the community in a broader sense was that I didn't lose one client throughout the process. And oh, I love that. I had to have a, yeah, and I had to have a lot of interesting conversations with clients. Um, I made a very deliberate decision to, to be upfront and to be direct and to say whatever I wanted to say to people's faces. And it was sort of, you know, while I was changing, so to speak. And um, 
you know, the responses varied from, yeah, well, I can see something's happening to tell me everything or um, from the ridiculous to the sublime. But, uh, you know, I answered every question and I think I was very open and, and candid. And, you know, on the whole, I think, you know, people wish you well. And I think what I learned going through that and, you know, in many ways, I think it's a universal struggle or universal experience is that we all have things, um, you know, private things or, or things that we struggle, that we worry that people will judge us uh, if they're known to them. And I think what people can, you know, realise at their core is that, um, you know, we all have things in our path that, you know, require a bit of um, vulnerability and authenticity and, and honesty. And um, whilst people might not necessarily have been able to relate to the experience themselves. I think in the whole people relate to, um, oh gosh, here's someone conquering their demons, uh, slaying their dragons. Um, how do I go about doing that for me? And, you know- I love that. I love that. So what you just said is so powerful. I, you know, you're making it uh, such by being vulnerable and open, honest and direct by having those courageous conversations, you really are giving permission to the person sitting across from you to be honest and to be open and to embrace who they really are. And it doesn't necessarily mean the same journey that you went on or are going on. It's everyone has their own journey and your courage opens the door for everyone to own their own story. Well, I, I would agree with that. And I think what is significant in what you've just said is that there's struggle in every life. There's right. trauma in every life. And, you know, I think <clears throat> I wasn't one by nature to sit there feeling sorry for myself. I said to myself, well, how do I, how do I deal with this? What do I do? It was a very pragmatic approach. And, um, you know, I think there is a, a, universal, a universality associated with that. Um, and, you know, in time, I've been able to see it all with a little bit of perspective and think, well, that was my struggle. That, that was my journey. And because I had to go through that, um, I don't struggle with certain things. Um, right. You have perspective. So, yeah, look, I, I think I do. Um, I'd like to think I do. <laughs> I believe you do. And I'll say this, that when, um, again, regardless of the struggle or the journey or the experience, I mean, we have a choice. We, we, we can choose to be fear-filled or we can choose to, you know, sit with that fear and then act out of love and go forward and be courageous. And I think that what you have done, not just in your own personal journey, but in sharing your journey, that is where, you know, a whole, you've leveled up, if you will, on courage. Um, so I love that. And I think that you are inviting people to be their authentic selves. Well, no, I, I, I mean, that, that's a, a lovely thing to say. Uh, thank you. But um, I think the, the sharing the journey uh, honestly crept up on me. Um, by nature, I was quite happy to keep it as contained as possible. Um, you know, I didn't sort of crave a big fuss, um, but people wanted to know. And, um, you know, I say this tongue in cheek, but it was almost like there was a level of demand or interest um, for me to tell this story. And I thought, well, 
If I do it, um, and I did this other podcast a few years ago, um, which I think if I went back and listened to now, I would be surprised by how open and, and honest I was. Um, but I'm pleased that I did. And I'm pleased that I did, if for no other reason, that I've had people contact me and say, well, um, you know, I'm going through these issues myself. That, that really helped me. Um, I can see a path for myself in law now. And, um, you know, I think that's been really touching for me to know um, that you've had an impact on others like that. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that you are in employment law, I think that's extra special. Um, honestly, this is a funny thing for me to say, but it's true. I haven't met an employment lawyer I didn't love. Now I've met a lot of lawyers I don't love, <laughs> but I've never met an employment lawyer that I didn't absolutely love, right? So I think they keep it real for the most part. Yeah, I think we're a pretty unique breed. Um, yeah. So um, it, it tends to be something that you either love or you don't tend to gravitate to. Um, you know, I consider myself very lucky that I fell into it. Um, 11 years later, I'm still doing it. Um, you know, I feel, you know, genuinely lucky to be a lawyer who, who really likes their job. And, um, you know, I think a big part of that is that, um, you know, I'm dealing day in, day out with real people issues. Um, right. Not just you know. profit-driven, but purpose-driven issues, right? Let me ask you, that's a great segue to the next question of what has been your proudest professional accomplishment? You know, um, my answer is going to sound a, a little bit um, contrived and I'll, I'll preface it um, by saying it's uh, a, a really genuine and, and honest response. Um, there's not one big moment that I look at um, and say, wow, I'm really proud of that. There's a lot of little moments that I'm proud of. Um, and I think now that I've hit a place professionally that I'm really happy and, and comfortable with, I think the more proud achievements come from um, mentoring, training and developing staff in your team. Um, you know, it's the stage mother in me um, where you see someone that you've uh, trained and nurtured and developed um, get promoted themselves, um, really dominate a meeting, um, generate a new source of revenue. Um, you know, I'm immensely proud of that. Um, That's because wonderful. I'm proud of and the little role that I've had in developing that. And, um, you know, I've been the beneficiary of... Um, a lot of great teaching and um, some uh, very strong bosses that I had in my early career and um, yeah, feel very passionate about that and, and love, it, love it when it can occur. So I'll say that um, the sign of a good leader is when he or she can inspire or motivate someone to do as well or better than he or she has done. And you clearly, you know, feel that way about your mentees. Has there someone who was your, you know, who has been your inspiration or maybe your mentor? Yeah, um, look, I thought a bit about this and um, I'd probably say my my year 11 English teacher. Um, uh, she's also my, my English literature teacher. And, um, you know, as a student with a strong humanities background and uh, always prided myself on, on doing well in subjects like English and, and history. And um, 
I got into her class in, in year 11 and um, all of a sudden I wasn't getting the top marks and, um, you know, I wasn't thrilled about this and, um, you know, she made me strive a bit harder. She told me what I could improve on and um, right before the, the exams, right before the end of the year, um, she finally gave me the mark that I was after and she said to me, she said, you realise you've been there all along, but this was the only way I was really going to force you to strive and force you to get out of your comfort zone. And in reality, I've been marking you against yourself. Wow. And, um, yeah, and I, I look back on that and I, I ended up doing quite well, but I look back on all that. And what I love about that is that intuitive leadership um, where, um, and I've thought a lot about this, you look back at that teacher's motivations she was primarily focused on respect rather than like. And, you know, there was an intuitive judgment in her that knew I would respond to the stick rather than the carrot. And the ability for a teacher or an educator or a leader to see that and use that intuitive reasoning, um, which can be risky at times, it can be dangerous at times um, to help someone else strive and, and grow, um, potentially even at the risk of not being liked, but instead being respected. Um, you know, I think that that's leadership to me. And, you know, I was very lucky to, to have that um, instilled in me at a young age. I hope she hears this because that's a really great <laughs> resounding endorsement. How <laughs> wonderful. I mean, you, you have, you know, grown in your career to be quite successful and for you to sit here today and attribute much of that success to the work done in what you call grade 11. That's awesome. That's amazing. She's probably, you know, super proud. <laughs> yeah, well, um, look, I must admit, when I got my first job, uh, I wrote her a letter on firm stationery, which I probably shouldn't have, but sent it off in, in the middle. <laughs> Uh, you know, to say, look at me now. So um, no, certainly thank you was in order there. That's super awesome. I love that you wrote it on firm stationery. She probably got a kick out of that. Um, well, let me <laughs> yeah, ask you this. The podcast and the work that I do at Freeman Means Business is all about amplifying the voices of women uh, because all too often women are unheard or don't feel respected. So if you could give us just even something small, it doesn't have to be grand, but a tip or um, some advice on how we can lift other women or support women in business, that would be helpful to my audience. Yeah, of course. And um, one of the things that uh, has happened and I've touched on it at the start of our discussion is that I actually have an all-female team. And for a long time, I thought uh, that was by, by accident. Um, rather than design. But if I'm perhaps honest with myself, um, there may be a little bit of subconscious bias um, or, or even, a, <laughs> even a little bit of a desire to even up the status quo with that. Um, because what I think people fall into the trap of when they're having these discussions is that um, we, we assume or we expect men to check their bias or, or check their uh, unconscious prejudices at the door um, without acknowledging that women have the same biases and the same prejudices. Um, 
And I think what I've been really conscious of is I think I've been um, really wanting to surround myself with strong women and, and my team is, is certainly full of strong women um, who not just have a um, role model um, in me, but also um, have an environment facilitated where, um, you know, the expectation of doing really well, the expectation of uh, progressing your career rapidly, um, being given and creating opportunities is the norm rather than the default. And um, I'd certainly hire a guy if he came along and um, was the right fit for everyone and, and, you know, worked within the team. But I think um, maybe subconsciously, maybe actively, um, I've focused very strongly on facilitating that, on, you know, mentoring female talent. Um, because I think a big part of it is having somebody who can open and unlock those doors for you. Yes. Um, you know, cream rises to the top, um, as uh, my dad likes to say. And in a law firm environment where metrics can be measured very quickly um, and very easily, um, results ultimately speak for themselves. But what I've thought uh, is more important is being able to set teams up, set teams and set people up with good clients who will enable them to achieve those results, you know, give them the freedom to flourish with those clients and uh, give them the opportunity to succeed. And um, I'm very proud of the fact that I've been able to repeatedly do that with a number of women throughout my career. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something I'd like to continue to do. Um, we touched on it before when we were talking about developing people. You know, I hope my whole team wants my job, to be honest. Um, oh, that's wonderful. I love that <laughs> that you said that. Be because they, they should um, want my job. They, they should be striving to that. And, um, you know, I think what I've tried to do is create an environment where that's the given um, rather than um, rather than being seen as the exception. I love that. That is probably one of the most powerful things any guest has ever said. Um, very, very, wow, that's, that's courageous. That's, that's true, true leadership. That is what that is. Um, do you focus with your team? This is not a question I planned on asking, but it came to mind. Do you, in your development of the professionals on your team, focus on business-related activities or initiatives such as uh, business development practices or, you know, corporate social responsibility or diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives uh, when you say develop your team, or is it simply practice of law initiatives? I think there's a bit of everything. Um, nowadays, lawyers really need to be all singing, all dancing in terms of... Um... <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so you've got the visual in your head. Um, I do. I know, I know a lot of lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good, though. That's good. It's a holistic approach to doing good business, right? The business of law, right? Not just the practice of law, but the business of law. Well, that's it. And, and that's fundamentally what we're in. Um, we're selling intangibles. And when you're selling intangibles, in many instances, the, um, the face, the person, the values behind those intangibles are really, really significant. Um, Absolutely. One of the things that um, 
and maybe the team doesn't like this and I can be a little bit flippant sometimes, but, you know, I say that we're glorified customer service representatives and um, we are in a way because... You are. Yeah, you are. And <laughs> I love that you face that truth because the attorney who thinks doesn't realize that he himself is seen as sometimes seen as a vendor and needs to be seen as a trusted advisor. That's how the clients think of the attorneys. So let's not forget that customer service or client service is your number one business development tool. Well, that's it. And, uh, you know, hand in hand with that is that people will ultimately work with people that they like and they respect. Now, that's not saying that uh, people want sycophants. Sometimes you need to tell people the hard truth. Yeah. Uh, but there's a way to do it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, that I am always strong on, and the team is probably sick of me saying because it's drummed into them now, but we all have to think of times as consumers where we were really happy and where we weren't happy. And um, it happens every day. It happens while we're waiting for a coffee. Um, you know, it could be as basic as saying, oh, Jasmine, your order's up next um, from the barista, just to keep you engaged, um, not walking away, not getting cross, not going anywhere else. It, it, those basic things that are so important um, because our clients ultimately are looking for us to solve a problem um, and how they feel during that process, um, rightly or wrongly, I've always thought forms a strong factor in how they ultimately evaluate our performance. Um, we had one client come to us, um, they ditched their old lawyers uh, and they came to us in a matter. And she said to me, Jasmine, I just didn't like the way the lawyer spoke down to me. There you go. There you um, go. Well, that, that's it. Now, this is the other thing we need to be conscious of. Now, uh, as lawyers were particularly given the subject matter that's being discussed, you know, you, you are and you should be the smartest person in the room, but the client should never feel like that. Um, and if you have to announce that to the room, you're probably not. Yeah, <laughs> it should show, it shows, right? You don't have to oversell yourself, right? When I stand in front of lawyers and I've trained lawyers for 18 years, um, thousands of them, especially litigators, I stand in front of the room and I say, why do people hire you? the number one most popular, most common answer is because we are the smartest lawyers. And I say, the fact that I've worked with thousands of lawyers and they say the same thing means that's not a differentiator. Every client expects you to be smart, if not among the smartest. What else can you bring to the table besides that price of admission? Um, so I love the way you're coaching your team and, and teaching them you know, business of law and not just do great legal work. The client doesn't always know what great legal work is. Well, no, exactly. And I, I think you touch on it there, like, you know, intelligence, that's a given. Uh, it gets you right. to the start. <laughs> um, but one of the, you know, one of the ways I explain this is that, you know, often you're only as good as the instructions you can elicit from a client. And a client- oh, Beautiful. <laughs> Well, they're not going to know what's important or not all the time. They'll just do this big data dump. But right. uh, they think, oh, I won't tell her this because she'll judge me or I won't, won't tell her this because, um, you know, I'll get a computer says no response. Um, well, you're failing, aren't you? Because you're, you're not going to be able to get what you need to get a good result. And, um, you know, increasingly what we do is results-based. It is outcome-based. 
Um, and, uh, you know, clients will quickly tell you or quickly remind you um, if you're not on track for that result. What is a trait you think, this is again, just a random question. And I do have a wild card question I'm gonna ask you that you haven't heard. I don't even know what it is yet. I'm gonna pick it from a box, but I do wanna ask you, what is a trait, characteristic, strength, skill, whatever you'd like to um, speak to that clients would say about you most? Like, what do you, what do you think would come to mind first in a client's mind? Um, they would say, oh, she's very pragmatic. <laughs> oh, that's a great skill to have, especially as a lawyer. Um, wonderful. Yeah. That to me sounds like you're not going to waste my money. We're going to only do the things that work. It's going to be efficient, smart goals, right? So pragmatic is a great, great descriptor. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, All right. I like it. <laughs> good, good. Well, I want to ask you the next question. Um, and, and I might know it. I don't know. I think I do. But what has been your biggest challenge or maybe even a setback? But how did you overcome it? Yeah, uh, look, I think um, undoubtedly the the biggest challenge um, would have would have been gender, would have been negotiating that all, um, you know, negotiating things on a, a personal and a, a professional front, and um, <clears throat> perhaps the you know, and you see these things with hindsight, and you understand things with hindsight um, a bit more. Um, because it's not as simple as saying I'm the same person. And I remember a conversation I was having with a girlfriend um, at the time and, you know, she's all for it. She goes, oh, look, I, I know you, you'll, you'll, you'll be great, Rara. But she said, what you need to understand is that, um, you know, friendship, uh, like attraction, you know, it's based on an attraction of personality. Um, and she said, how can you not change with everything available to you that hasn't been available? How can you not change even for the better? And, you know, if you change, then your relationships change. And, you know, it's a very fair and honest comment. And, you know, I understand it more in hindsight because right. you know, things fell where they fell um, and things fell in a great way. But there was a period in life where, you know, every relationship effectively was being renegotiated at the same time. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I can understand that. And that going on um, while I was trying to, you know, maintain my practice, trying to maintain my sanity um, was a challenge and um, something I think you understand better with hindsight than when you're in the moment. And I think that that friend was a true friend to share with you something so um, poignant, right? Um, I have a friend who is experiencing what you experienced, right? And I said to this person, find who you are and be that. And I know that's easier said than done. And it sounds pretty cheeky. But the aftermath, I mean, the after, you know, hindsight is what I'm looking for, would definitely explain that that that's a, the power of that phrase. And it's not just a, 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 you know, a phrase, it's very powerful words of wisdom right there. Find who you are and be that, um, you know, and I always say this and look, I am a straight white female married to the stereotypical white male litigator, right? <laughs> Everything you think of a, a white male litigator, he's that. Um, but I always say, be who you are and those who are truly part of your tribe will be with you 
And if it's someone who shouldn't be in your tribe or is uncomfortable with who you are, then they're not meant to be in your tribe. Yeah, I, I would completely, I would completely agree with that. I think, I think that's a very fair comment. Um, I'm just trying to think of the old adage, and I'm worried I'll stuff it up. But um, I think it goes something like um, the people that um, matter don't mind, and the people that mind don't matter. And, I, um, I think that's Dr. Seuss. I love, I love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to put that in the blog and remind readers when they read the blog about you. That's the truth for everyone. Remember that. So I'm going to ask you a wild card question if you give me the go ahead. No, please, please do. I hope I can answer it. <laughs> <laughs> well, some are very deep and difficult. Others are just fun. I never know what I'm going to It's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So Forrest Gump there, folks, in case you didn't know who I was quoting. So I'm reaching in the box and at 144 questions. Oh, this is fun. This is fun. You'll like this. All right, Jasmine, what would you do if you ruled the world for just one day? I ruled the world for just one day. I would um, pass a piece of legislation extending my rule. Um, <laughs> Touche. That's excellent. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, so I could achieve some real reform and I didn't really have to uh, think about getting everything done in 24 hours. So um, yeah, I, I would uh, take every step possible to extend my rule. That's genius. Brilliant. What a wonderful answer. Of course, of course. There's much work to be done. Much work to be done. <laughs> Well, See, that's, the, that's the pragmatism. <laughs> exactly. Spot on. I don't think I could have asked a more perfect question. And the thing that made it perfect was your answer. So um, <laughs> it has been such a pleasure having you on the show. I hope we keep in touch. And I plan to share the blog that I'm going to write about you and insert this podcast into it within two weeks. It'll be on my website as well as LinkedIn and I'll tag Jasmine folks so that you can get to know her and connect with her. And uh, if you want to give people a way to reach you, Jasmine, would you like to do that now? Yeah, I think my, my LinkedIn is the, the best way to reach me. And um, yeah, really looking forward to, to hearing from anybody who, who listens to this, who, who would like to connect. Well, I think that lots of people would like to connect. And I, for one, uh, would like to learn a few things from you. I have a few questions about a project that I'm working on in my other business. So I'll tap into that brain of yours at a later date. But thank you for sharing. You're amazing. I'm so happy to know you and I'm glad you were on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Susan. It's been great. And honestly, one more time, you could sell me dirt with that voice, that, that accent. <laughs> I would buy dirt from you. <laughs> well, it's, um, well, no, thank you. It's uh, funny because when, whenever I go to the US and my sister lives in, in New York City, there's always that moment where you're at uh, LAX and uh, it's one of the Qantas flights back to Melbourne and you just hear these swarm of Australian accents and you think, <laughs> oh my gosh, is that how we sound? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I have been gobsmacked <laughs> by this interview. Um, you're wonderful. And thank you for sharing. And everybody, thank you for listening. We, we hope that you enjoyed the conversation. And we know that you'll look forward to the blogcast as always. Have a good day, everyone. Bye-bye.